you might have to accept it. Ready to go. We're recording. All right, here we are, folks, on the Adrian Bow podcast, episode 117, and we've gone back to the interview process. Troy Malcolm and I come to you every week without fail with our skills workshop series, but in between, sporadically, I'm going to come to you with some special guests, and today we've got none other than Jack Henderson from Henderson Advocacy Buyers Agent. Jacko, how are you doing, buddy? Good, mate. Very, very good sitting here in Bronte looking at the ocean. So it's uh, first, world, first world problems, huh? Beautiful. Is that is that you working from home, are you? Mate, I just come home to do the podcast. It's a bit of a madhouse in the office. So Yeah, gotcha, gotcha. So where's your office located for those who don't know? Mate, head office is Paddington um, in Sydney's East and then I've got another office in Newcastle as well. So we've got the two. Right, fantastic. So, mate, for those who don't know, um, and, you know, myself included, because we know of each other, uh, we've done a couple of deals together, we've spoken a few times, but we've really never had a great opportunity to get to know each other uh, more intimately. So today's podcast is a great opportunity to do that. I certainly enjoyed the recent experience we had when one of your clients bought one of my properties. It was seamless, it was smooth, it was transparent. So that's certainly a great indication uh, about the way you operate. So I really commend you on that. Um, so, mate, how long's um, Henderson Advocacy been going for? Um, mate, not as long as people think. So my background's actually construction and mining. Um, mm-hmm. I got booted out of school when I was 15, so I got expelled. Um, obviously, when you're 15, you don't have a licence and you don't have uh, many career prospects. And Dad runs quite a large construction business in Sydney. So I went and worked there for, for five or six years, um, met a girl in Newcastle, as you do for love, mate, you relocate. So I relocated to Newcastle, spent a few years in the mines up there. Um, and then as I was doing that, I, I built my own portfolio. So I was a super passionate investor, um, bought three or four properties while I was on a salary. And then um, I got some media coverage and I was in magazines. I was doing podcasts like this. I was trying to build brand as much as I could um, anywhere I could. And, and I'm, a, I'm a huge listener and and fan of, of Gary Vaynerchuk, who uh, I'm sure you know. Yeah. Um, so, mate, just sort of following his playbook. And then from there, it was sort of a natural progression. People were asking me how I was doing it and how they can get into it and what they should be doing. And I thought, well, fuck, I'm sick of giving people advice for free. I may as well charge for it. And I'd much rather be, um, you know, wearing a T-shirt and hanging by the beach than uh, putting a, a set of fluoros on and going into a mine. Um, so, mate, I, I started with another firm in Sydney, uh, spent nine months there, Within the first six months, I was their highest rider, and, and that was including doing more business than the director of the business. Um, mate got the sack from that business because of a few different reasons, um, and then sort of set up my own thing in October of last year. By January, the office fit out was done, and and Henderson Advocacy was born. So it's been what now? Um, 10, 10, 10 and a half, 11 months. Yeah, I, well, you're right in that that's a lot shorter than what most people think, given the prolific marketing and exposure and the momentum that you've managed to maintain and also generate. So congratulations to you. Um, Thank you, mate. What, what would you put that down to? Because, look, whether our listeners are agents, buyers agents, property managers, BDMs, um, business owners, obviously they're all always looking for the secret source. Now, you and I know mm. there's not one specific secret source. It's doing multiple things consistently really, really well. Um, but if you had to put it down to a handful of things to get 
this sort of traction that you have managed to generate within a relatively short period of time. What what would you what would you say, um, mates? I um, I think the best thing about and, and you you would know better than anyone. The eastern suburbs is quite a clicky place, and I feel like growing up here, like most people do, most ages have grown up in the east. I feel like it's actually a disadvantage to them, and, and the reason for that is because they care so much about what other people think. You know, it's what school did you go to? You know, who do you know? You can't do that because it'll impact that person. And there's so much of that bullshit that goes on. It's not just the East, it's, it's the world in general. Um, mm. Mate, I grew up in Western Sydney and we were just chatting, you know, prior to coming online out here yeah. where Josh Teslin works. I grew up in a place called Wilberforce, which is the other side of Windsor. And mate, it's a diff- very, very, very different world out there and, and, and you grow up very differently. So um, I come to the Eastern suburbs because you know, this is where all the money is, this is where I wanted to be and, and my aspiration sort of led me here. Um, but ever since I've started in the industry, I haven't really given a fuck about what pe- people think about me. You know, I've always been authentically myself. I've always had the purple cow mentality. I've always wanted to stand out from everyone else and that's sort of where the flamingo thing come from, which was, you know, standing out from the crowd. Um, and, and regardless if someone likes you or hates you, it's just about who knows you. That's the most important thing. So for me... Um, you know, I hired staff from the day that I started in the industry because I, I, I had quite a bit of capital to, to back me um, from my portfolio and the cash that I earned. Um, so my first hire was a videographer. Again, a bloke that was in, you know, the aircraft um, maintenance engineer. That was his job. Had no idea how to do anything with a camera, but he wanted a new start. And I said, mate, here's a video camera. Walk around and film me. So, you know, from day dot, I was, um, I was essentially a guy who knew no one in the eastern suburbs, I started here in a, in a no birds hire car because I sold my ute when I come out of the mines and I just had this dude follow me around with a camera. So, you know, from day dot, people are like, who the fuck is this guy? Yeah. Um, and then from there, man, it just sort of, you know, I, I guess it grew. I, I hired some prospectors and, um, you know, I started podcasts and, and, you know, just, I guess, from sheer not really knowing what I was doing, I just started reaching out to heaps of different people and I got some pretty cool guests like people like Tom Waterhouse and, I don't even know now, but like pretty, pretty big names, pretty big profiles. Um, mm. And then, mate, it was just a big momentum thing. And, and but I, I think the, the biggest thing is, 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 you know, the brand is like just putting yourself out there, being on socials, being connected to the right people um, or, or building relationships with the right people. And then, you know, it all sort of snowballs. Like you said, that momentum is, is something that is, um, is pretty incredible. Yeah, so just to give people a bit of a snapshot, um, let's call it 12 months or so that you've been, you know, um, running and operating your business, um, mm. give us an idea of the number of transactions or, or total sales volume yeah. or any metric, any metric that, that we could go by, if that's okay. For sure. So since January this year, I've done 99 deals personally, so I'm one off 100. As soon as I hit 100, mate, I'm off. I'm finished for the year. Um, <laughs> It's just over three mil GCI personally, and then the other people inside of the firm have committed another two. So we'll do just over five for the year for the for the calendar year. Mm-hmm. Um, that's myself, five media guys, which do all of our in-house social media and posting and, and all that shit. Um, and then I've got three other active buyers agents, and then the other other people inside of my team are, are all support staff, so taking clients to open for inspections and yeah. you know sourcing property, prospecting new business, and all the rest of it. Um, so I guess yeah, high level, 100 deals, 3 mil GCI personal, 5 mil for the, for the business for the year within sort of 12 months. Impressive, impressive. And obviously there's a lot of talk in the industry in terms of the seller's uh, agent point of view with EBUs and structure and roles 
um, and everyone's staying in their lane, et cetera. But when we look on the other side, say, in your business as a buyer's agent, what's, for the lack of a better term, what's your immediate EBU look like? Uh, so this year it's evolved. So I started the year with there was three of us in the business. That was it. Mm-hmm. And then over the course of the you know the 11 months we've been in, in operation, the team has obviously grown. Um, not one person inside of my business has had prior real estate experience. Every single person's come from a different industry, whether it, you know, I've got Damien who, you know, has owned and operated pizza franchises that he sort of built and then sold. Um, you know, I've got guys from the UK who come over here and they were picking, you know, vegetables at farms and, um, like I, I just like people for people. And again, I think that's something that's a little bit different about us. Like, you know, if, if a client goes and meets three or four buyers agents, just like they would with real estate agents, I go and meet three or four agents. Um, we're very different to our competition. We're not suit and tie. We're not, you know, a Scots boy or whatever it is. Like we're, we're just human beings. And, and I think that lacks with a lot of real estate, right? Like people, um, and I don't know why, but it's just generally been all the way through the industry that it's a suit and tie thing. You're representing, you know, houses and, and their expensive items and you, and you present well. Um, we've always been a little bit contrarian to that. And I think, you know, again, standing out has, has helped. So my EBU as it stands right now is there's four of us going into 2022. There'll be an EBU of five and that won't change throughout the year. It'll just be five people from the get-go. So I've got four people. I've got myself. I've got Lewis who does all of my outbound prospecting. Um, I've got Daniel, who's sort of my right-hand man, who, you know, goes around to, to the properties with clients and all the rest of it because I can't be everywhere at once. Um, and then I've got Matt, who is my guy in Newcastle, who does all the on-the-ground stuff up in Newcastle. And essentially what I do is, um, you know, on-the-phone client management and then negotiating when it gets to that point in time. Um, and then all the other guys, you know, are associates or buyers agents that we're training up from, from sort of scratch. Okay, so in your space, obviously you're hyper dollar productive because you're either in front of buyers that want to make decisions, or you're on the phone with buyers wanting to make decisions. Um, Lewis's role fascinates me. You're talking about outgoing prospecting from a buyer's agent perspective. So, what yep. would a typical day look like for him, for example? So because of all the social stuff that we do and the way that we generate leads, like whether they're cold or whether they're warm, we've got quite a few leads that need to be called and nurtured. Um, mm-hmm. And just the same as a real estate agent, obviously, you've got, you know, vendors that you're cold calling. Um, you know, something I do every week is I make sure that I get every single property that's sold in the areas that we buy. I then match those addresses with RP data and get all the, I scrape all the phone numbers from RP data. And that yep. can give us, you know, somewhere between three to 700 properties a week that we then outbound prospect for those people because if they've sold, they're, they're generally um, buyers or, or they may have already bought. Um, so we just try and find as many people that we can prospect as possible. Um, so maybe he's, he's constantly outbound. He then sets appointments for me. Um, we qualify those buyers pretty hard before I spend an hour sitting in front of them. And then obviously pitch on the business just like you guys would go in and do a listing appraisal. Um, yep. So it, it's essentially just outbound lead gen. And, and you know, the reason... Uh, I believe that there hasn't been a Ray White or a McGrath or or a Century 21 or one of those big brands in the buyer's agency space because with a buyer's agent or or, or a buyer's advocate, there's a general lack of leads, right? You've got the front runner of most businesses. They're really good at generating business that, you know, they do, you know, probably somewhere between one to five mil GCI. I would say that's probably one of the best buyers agent do in Australia. Um, But, you know, not everyone is them. So if they're not generating the leads, then, you know, the other the other agents inside of the business might go meet a mortgage broker or fucking whatever they may do and generate one or two leads a week here or there. Where with a real estate agent, you know, you're, you're selling property, you're then meeting 
somewhere between what 20 and 200 buyers on a, on a campaign and that's all new business you can then tell the street about all the properties yep. you've sold um lost your audio lost your um, audio yeah, the model lost- that we're creating yeah i just lost your audio for a sec but i think you're back on now we're back yeah um, yeah so so the model we're creating um with our buyers agency which i won't go too much into because it's sort of our secret source is you know we need to be able to get access to leads in any marketplace where you don't necessarily need um you know an, an amazing front runner they can just be you know like the mcdonald's uh, an analogy is you know um what is it everyday people extraordinary systems and processes um so we can get access to bias and access to leads in any marketplace and, and it's a very scalable model which you, you guys will see roll out next year we'll have offices in in all the major capital cities on the east coast um and and, and then satellite offices inside of those okay okay so that, that's some pretty big plans that you've got there jacko by the sounds of it i mean um What's re- the recruitment strategy for that? Is it, again, getting people that are sort of out of the industry altogether and repurposing them and retraining them? Is that the, is that the strategy? Yeah, and because buyer's agency isn't, isn't a thing where there's tens of thousands of them around, right? Yeah. There's probably somewhere between 1,000 and 1,500 buyer's agents around Australia. That's growing very, very rapidly. Um, one of my coaches and an and, and alliance that we have is with Ben Handler, who's, who's a part of the Buyers Agent Institute, who, who did my training. Um, and we've got an, essentially an recruitment, recruitment alliance with those guys. So people go through the Buyers Agent Institute, they get trained, they get Ben's support. Um, and then essentially we can handpick the, the superstars out of that who don't want to go out and do their own thing. They want the support, they want the training, they want the systems, they want the lead flow and um, all of the things that you get from working under a banner. Um, and then we'll brand them Henderson and essentially start satellite offices. Fantastic. Hey, um, so that's really interesting about how you get leads because you're right, an agent has the benefit of door knocking, cold calling, um, email inquiries from current listings, um, you know, social media. There's a whole bunch of stuff, but you're quite limited. What you're saying is you track people that have sold and then target or Lewis is targeting them and saying, well, are you now looking to buy? Um, So, and then obviously you've got your social media. So there's a couple of verticals, but there's not 15 of them. Um, So there's obviously, there's obviously a lot of labor intensity that goes into it. A lot of, a lot of calls that have got to be made, right. Uh, From Lewis's point of view, is there any other way to generate leads? Like I know you don't want to give everything away, but um, just generally speaking in the industry um, that, that apart from referrals that, that people rely on. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's probably ways that are not about port. I would say that a lot of buyers agents have have relied on in the past with getting OFI books and all the rest of it. Right. Um, right. That's a pretty well-known thing in the industry. Uh, Again, that's not, that's not a scalable model either because you know, if there is a buyer's agent out there that's getting OFI books or whatever it is, that may work for that one relationship with a real estate agent, whatever it is, but you know, you try and scale that Australia wide and I don't think that's going to work for a lot of, a lot of people. Right. Um, but, you know, as you start to do more and more transactions, more and more real estate agents, like, like you said earlier, know how you operate. So as they've got vendors that, you know, mm. may need to buy before they sell, they start referring to you and then you get past client referrals and 
then, yes. you know, I do a lot of online marketing that isn't just from Jack Henderson. You know, there's a lot of other websites you can be a part of that you yep. have backlinks to and SEO and all the rest of it. So it's just yeah. being creative, right? And and I think, again, with, with buyers agents in the past, where they've been limited to is their core market, right? Like, yep. you know, you might buy in, say, 10 suburbs. And when mm. that quiets down, you know, your business generally slows. So you need to be diversified, I feel, like across many markets. So now we've got a team of sort of 25 Mm. Um, you know, if I'm not buying a property in, in the eastern suburbs, I might be buying one in the inner west or the lower north shore or we've got the team on the central coast in Newcastle. There, there was always a transaction getting done. There's always someone finding out about who we are and, and how we mm. operate. And, and, and again, it takes time. Like nothing good um, comes easy and we're riding yep. a wave of a pretty strong marketplace. I'm not naive to that. Yeah. Yeah, I have noticed on your social media that even though you're saying you're located in the east, but... I see you pop up and sold sold properties, you know, quite far away from that immediate radius. Um, has that just happened organically? Was it strategic? Are there referrals or um, how's that come about? It was strategic from, I guess, the get-go because I've lived, I guess, between the western suburbs, the east, Newcastle, you know, I've got, yeah. I guess, connections in all of those areas. Yeah. And, again, like, there's there's probably the most amount of buyers agents in 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 a, I guess one core area in the east right the east is probably where they're most prominent and I, I don't want to compete with all these other buyers agents right like again I think that's more of an ego thing to say I did the most transactions in the east like I just wanted to do the most transactions make yeah. the most amount of money so I can diversify that into other areas yeah. so I mean if we can get business in you know the inner west or in the North Shore or in the Western suburbs or in the Central Coast or in Newcastle, like that all works. And every single client that you service knows more and more people. And because it isn't a saturated market as such, when someone goes, oh, how'd you buy that property? Or, you know, you, you bought that really well. How'd you do it? They, they don't have a lot of people to say, oh, well, you can go and see these 10 other buyers agents. Like, oh, we, you know, we use these guys. So a lot of the yeah. time we're competing uncontested. We, we you know, we pitch on business. This is our fee. Yep. If, if you don't like it, great. If you do like it, let, let's get started. Yep. And on the on the fee side of things, if you don't mind sharing, um, yep. what 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 are you averaging, or what's your what, what do you have a standard fee that's not negotiable, or is it similar to agents where it's it you know you're flexible between say one point five to two percent? Can you give us a bit of an idea there? Yeah, so sub eight hundred grand is pretty straightforward. It's a fifteen thousand flat flat fee plus GST. Um, mm-hmm. Just makes it plain and simple. Um, anything above eight hundred to two percent plus GST, and then what I've found, and, and I don't really like it to be very honest. Our sweet spot, I feel, is somewhere between one and a half and five million. Yeah. Um, the clientele are more abundant in that in that price range. It's usually a lot more buyers and sellers in that area, especially in the east. Um, and the, the fees remain much stronger. As I've found to buy properties above that $5 million mark, um, the competitors that I work with, you know, generally do lower fees and I've got nothing against that. That's totally fine. But then obviously, you know, if someone's got a lot more experience than you in an area, they've probably got more of a track record, they're charging X, you know, you're yeah. charging Y doesn't really work. So then you have to come down. So you start doing things at one and a half percent. And again, you're competing with other people. So I think I've worked out, where my sweet spot of the market is, um, mm-hmm. the people that I resonate most with um, mm-hmm. and where there's the most amount of scale um, mm-hmm. and, and that's where I'll remain. So like, you know, buying things of 10 and 15 and 20, 30 million dollars, like that doesn't interest me. I don't, I don't want to pitch on that business. I don't want to compete in that price bracket. Yeah. Um, I think somewhere between that, you know, one and a half to five is, is, is an area that, you know, we're starting to dominate. Okay, fantastic. Now, 
given you've actually never been a real estate agent and mm. the fact that you've come from, say, mining which fueled property investment and now being a buyer's advocate, I think that it positions you really well to answer this question, which will help a lot of our listeners, um, Jacko, which is given you've personally been involved in, in buying, you know, 100 properties you know, this year on behalf of clients and given that you've, you've bought, you know, properties yourself for you personally, um, mm. what's, what's been your observation of agents generally in, in a few areas that they could dramatically improve upon immediately in order to raise the bar of the industry in general so the clients and all stakeholders of the transaction benefit from it? Yeah, that's a, that's a really, really good question. Um, to be very honest, I, I've had very good dealings with agents, like very few agents that oh, I could say, like, you know, I fucking did not enjoy dealing with that person. Most of them have been really, really good. Um, of course, you know, a lot of people don't see eye to eye and that's personality clashes and all the rest of it. Um, look, one of the things that I hear constantly is, is buyers are super frustrated with low guide prices. Now, I completely respect the reason agents yep. do it. It's to get more heads in, in doors, to get more inquiry, which creates more competition. But, you know, 99% of the buyer pool out there in the marketplace are un- uneducated people, like uneducated in that segment of the market. They may be educated yep. in whatever they're experts in, but in property, they don't know. So, you know, people spend a lot of money and a lot of time and, and, and you know, get involved in a property that they never actually had the capacity to buy. It was just an agent trying to create competition. So I think if there was a way to be able to create a more transparent um, pricing structure for buyers, but still, you know, still need do what they need to do, which is create competition to get the best possible price um, for their, for their vendor, I think is, um, you know, was something that I think could improve on. And and from all the people that I've dealt with, one of the one of the agents that does this the best, I feel, is Alex Phillips. Like, you know, for, he's super, super upfront with people. He goes, if you haven't got, you know, whatever his guide is, it might be, say, four million bucks. And let's say the property's worth four, eight to five. If someone asks him where this is going to end up, from my experience, he'll say, if you haven't got four, eight, don't worry about it. So he, he might get them in the door and, and get the numbers, but I, I guess it's just the transparency piece around, where it's likely to end up because you know if someone just paints every agent with the brush that oh we'll just add 20 percent to a guide price um there's a lot of buyers that don't turn up to properties where agents might guide them more accurately and then they sell for within their price bracket and they go fuck you know like mm. why, why didn't i go for that but it's just because they've you know sort of learned from the market that things might be say 20 percent under guided so if anything is say guiding a million and we've only got a 1.1 budget if anything's guiding a million we won't show up to, to that open for inspection mm. um but, mate, I guess it, not everyone's going to be happy. An agent's never going to be able to please every buyer out there. They're never going to be able to please every single vendor out there. They can do their best best possible, uh, I guess, work to be able to make sure everyone remains happy, to make sure everyone's kept up in, in a loop. But, you know, it's an emotional thing buying property. If someone misses out on a property, regardless if the agent was at fault or not, people are still going to have... Yeah. yeah. Like they've, they've missed out. Um, but, mate, I, honestly, I, I haven't had many negative experiences with real estate agents like and um it's an interesting interesting observation about about pricing obviously because you know you're a proxy to the buyers and the buyers are the ones that are frustrated um and i suppose you know from the other side from an agent side it's like well you know the market this year has been a moving target you know like we've listed it and by the time it ends up being sold the, the price is different 
Um, and, yeah. and the buyers are the ones that are responsible for making it different to a degree in that they're competing so aggressively for it. But, yeah, look, when you look at the auction process, um, it's still probably the most efficient and effective way to sell. But I, I agree with you if there was a, a better way um, to educate buyers around um, preparing them better than waving a magic wand, there's no doubt that would be ideal. But in saying that, it's not a coincidence that your industry is a burgeoning, fastly growing industry, and that might be one of the reasons why. So it's, so I suppose, you know... It's true. Look, yeah. It's 100% true. You know, buyers, buyers come to buyers agents, generally speaking, because they're in pain, you know, because yeah. they've missed out on properties. They don't have great relationships. They haven't got a heap of time. They want access to more stock. Yeah. They want to buy yeah. a property because they've been looking too long. And all of the, you know, a lot of those reasons relate around them not understanding the marketplace and, you know, some of the tactics that agents use, which then, you know, play into what we do and, and, and how we get remunerated. You know, yeah. for a live example, like I made an offer on a property the other day of nine and a half million in Vaucluse. Um, the guide 7.8. We made an offer unconditional at nine and a half signed on a contract. Um, it wasn't accepted. My client then got her dad to make an inquiry on that property two days later. And it said the interest is still at seven eight. And then they showed up at an open for inspection and heard the agent saying it's still at seven eight. So, you know, that's nothing on me. What they do is fine. But then, you know, obviously the buyers get the shits with that. Um, yeah. And that's not every agent. And I don't like painting agents with the same brush because they're, they're not the same whatsoever. Mm. Um, but but things like that. So it's, I guess it, 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 it's, it's ethics to an extent. Yeah. But it's with every industry, mate. You know that. Sure, sure. And tell me, what's your attitude with, competition do you, do you have an abundance or a scarcity attitude like you look at your market it's becoming really competitive obviously you've got um simon cohen you've got the goldman brothers that have just swapped over from agency into buyer's agency you've got trelease you got i mean i'm just naming a few but there's a whole bunch um do you have good relationships um with with all these people um do you think there's enough business out there for everyone Mate, the my my mindset's more than abundant. Like my end goal is not buyer's agency, and I made that pretty clear to a lot of people. Like I'm in the industry to to make a lot of money to to help a lot of clients buy property, but my end goal is is much, is much larger than you know one segment of the marketplace here in eastern suburbs. Um, the I'm not, I'm not I wouldn't be best friends with all my competition. Like, do I agree with them as human beings, and do we have the same you know I guess viewpoints? Probably not. Would I have a beer with them at the pub? Probably not. Um, but I don't have any, you know, I don't have any bad blood and all the rest of it. Their clientele is not my clientele. Like the, the people that they look after, I probably would never look after. And, and that's because we're completely different people. Um, and I think that's what you need to understand. Like, you know, um, Seth Godin talks about, you know, understanding your people. And, and, and you know, he has a saying that um, people like me do things like this or, or something similar to that nature. And that's what you need to understand. Like there's more than enough business out there for everyone two years ago I wasn't in the industry everyone was doing super well two years later I am in the industry you know I've done 100 transactions here and I haven't taken anything from anyone else and no one's taken anything from me so you know there's more than enough for everyone but look I take the piss out of a lot of them like I do those sign boards and and you know that's always having a, a cheeky dig here and there and again that's um that's more of a uh, you know getting people talking thing and making sure people know my name and strategic more than anything right like I, I judge how well a post does not by how many likes it gets but by how many people send it to other people so you know on instagram you can see your metrics on how many times it's been sent around i like doing that stuff because the more and more you know more and more people that send around a post regardless of that person then follows you or not 
um, you know, is, is a win in, in my eyes. Being so, polarising. Yeah. So do you feel like you're a bit of an outsider from the establishment? Obviously, there's that core establishment of, of those eastern suburbs, buyers, agents. I know you've got a broader geographical um, forecast, but, but for the yeah. time being, do you see yourself as a bit of an outsider from that establishment of, of core buyers, agents? For sure. And I like it too. Like I, I don't like, I've never, I've always been like that in life. I've never fit in with, you know, I guess that the status quo. Um, but I think by being that way, you know, it, it works. Like, you know, we, you look at people like Josh Tesla and Josh Tesla does not fit the status quo of Quakers Hill, mm. right? Like he stands mm. out and he does exceptionally well because of it. Mm. Um, you know, someone like Alex Phillips, again, he, he stands out. He does exceptionally well because of it. You know, Richard Branson on a very different level, you know, mm. is very different to the, to the status quo and, and he's created an exceptional business um, because of it. And, they, and they're very good with marketing and, and, and they leverage that. So, Again, it needs to be authentic to you. Like, this is just who I am as a person. Mm. Um, and, and I remove my life from my business. So I work with a lot of real estate agents. You know, we're, we're very good work friends. But, you know, my life outside of real estate does not revolve around real estate agents. And, and, mm. and I think that's the thing, something that I've noticed from the outside looking in is, like I said, it's a very clicky place. So, like, everyone works together. Everyone plays together. Everyone, you know, is, is, mm. knows everyone that everyone knows. Um, which then I think holds people back from their, their capacity and their, and their capability because they're always thinking in the back of their head, well, what would that person think? If I post this, what would they think? And if I do this, you know, yeah. um, with me, like what people think of me, good or bad, doesn't matter to me because I've got a life outside of, you know, what, what I do to, to make a living. Um, and that's something Jeff Jowett helps me with, who I, I think you know. Yes. Um, you know, we get, I get weekly coaching with Jeff and, and that's what it's, it's all about. It's, it's, you know, creating a business that is not your identity, that's not your life. That business then helps you, you know, build the life that you want to live. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I think that's, that's super important. But I guess long, short answer to your question is, yeah, absolutely. I feel like an outlier and I use it to my advantage. Yeah. No, I, I mean, as you know, Jeff and I are quite close and you know, I, I like the fact that he, he explains the dichotomy between work and and your real life. And, and the way I see it is that, um, you know, real estate's a game and if you get good at the game, your life benefits from it and your life is really your health, your spirituality, family, your spouse um, and, and that type of thing. So um, it's, it's interesting how he can... Uh, you know, articulate that and, and and help you guide through that. And he's not a real estate expert. He's he's more of a, uh, a, a headspace expert and more of someone who can actually um, guide you through the adversity he's been through in his past, where you can benefit. So sort of putting a an older head on a, on 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 a younger set of shoulders, um, so you can be the beneficiary from from a lot of mistakes, which he'll openly tell you that he's made. You know, so um, it's it's interesting, and uh, that's great that you're getting some guidance from 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 Jeffro. He's a good he's a good man. Um, yeah, and and I think just on that, like that's that's again something that I think is super important as well. Like if people want to just be real estate practitioners and that's it, that's totally fine. But my mindset is not. I'm a buyer's agent. Like my mindset is I'm a business owner. Like yeah. I'm creating a business, I'm creating, you know, a development company. I've got a, I've got a portfolio and real estate is just one segment of that. Mm. Um, and, and, you know, I think surrounding yourself with people that, you know, have been there and done it. And that's why I love Jeff. He's, he's been to the highest of highs and he's been to the lowest of lows. And when he talks to you, he talks to you from experience. Yeah. Um, and I think with young people, and I'm speaking from my own experiences, when you come into more and more money and, 
um, you know, ego can, can get the better of you. I'm, I'm 100% sure. guilty of that. Um, you know, money gives you options and opportunities that you wouldn't have if you didn't have money. And real estate's an incredible place to, to make, you know, you, you can't, from a revenue perspective, compare it to something, something like tech, but from a profit margin perspective, it's a very yeah. profitable business. Um, and, and when you have money, you have choices and with choices can, can, can come good options and bad options. And, you know, I yeah. fell into last year that the, the downside of, of money, like, it, um, it, it got the better of me. I made a lot of silly decisions with partying and drinking and, and all the other stuff that comes with it. Um, and I think it was just being self-aware enough to, to pull myself out of that. And I reckon I, I spend, you know, this year probably 200 grand-ish on coaches um, between Jeff and Simon Reynolds and Ben Handler and, 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 and Mark Campwell and then, you know, all the other conferences and events I go to. Um, and I just joined a thing called the Entrepreneurs Organization, which is a global organization of entrepreneurs and, and some of the biggest business owners in the world are a part of it. And I think surrounding yourself with the mentality and getting the, the perspective of so many different industries to then implement, if real estate's your thing, to implement that into real estate. Um, mm. And it gives you a lot of, you know, knowledge because when you're talking with clients, you know, a lot of the time you're not talking about real estate, you're talking about life. Mm. Um, so if you if you're well versed in a lot of different areas, I think it's it, it can it can only benefit you without a doubt. Definitely, yeah. Well, look, there's definitely a lot of um, gold nuggets in that um, for the listeners, Jacko, in terms of investing in yourself. I mean, Warren Buffett, you know, has been asked on multiple occasions, "What's the best investment you've ever made?" You know, given that he's made so many incredible investments, and ad nauseum, he keeps saying in education, you know, reading, learning, studying. Um, so, you know, if you want to be elite. Uh, in anything, whether it's sport, business, buyers agency, real estate agency, get a coach. I mean, there's me, there's there's plenty of others out there um, and, and good for you for making that investment into yourself and obviously success leaves clues. So well well done. Um, you talked about Seth Godin. Obviously, I've read a lot of his books, uh, Purple Cow. So that's a metaphor really and, and you've taken it more to the flamingo, you know, and dressing up and sort of having that as your avatar, if you like. Um has that been really like a novelty uh, and also has it just helped you set you apart and helped you uh, mitigate just being part of the status quo? Yeah. I mean, look, it, it started off as a novelty. I was in Europe on the piss. I had a big flamingo hat and it just sort of yeah. came, came with me from there. Um, but the more and more strategic I got about it, the more and more I used it to my advantage, you know. So most property people have a book on investment and how I've done this, you know. So I took it and flipped it on its head. And I was like, majority of my clients are young families. Young families have kids. So I wrote a book, but it was a book on, on, on you know, Henderingo, which is the character. He's a flamingo, helps a, a family of lions buy a property in the jungle. So, you know, instead of being, you know, bashing your chest how good I am, it's, it's, it's now a gift and a, and a lead generation tool that I can, I can leverage off. Um, my idea with Henderson Advocacy and the Flamingo is if I look at a company like Red Bull, for example, Red Bull sells energy drinks. That's it. They've got one product and, and they're, they're one of the biggest businesses in the world. But the reason Red Bull are so successful is because they've got so much vertical integration to other industries and they're more of an experience business. So, you know, you'll go to an action sports event and there'll be Red Bull things everywhere and cars and you're giving out Red Bull things. sports and things. Yeah. yeah. And then you go to a festival and there again, there's Red Bull. Or, so they're, they're very smart with activation marketing. So next year, when, when all of this shit goes away, um, you know, the idea with, with Henderson Advocacy is, is we'll just be a business that happens to work in the real estate space. Yeah. Um, Henderson as a brand will grow into different sectors, but 
you know, I, I want to be a business that's known for experience. And with the, with the Flamingo, that's essentially going to be our mascot. And, you know, we're going to have a car that, you know, a DJ pops out the back of and we can just pull up at Bondi Beach, start DJing, giving out free things. And again, it's got nothing to do with real estate, but it's brand and it's experience building. Um, so that was the idea with that. But again, it was, a, it, was a, it was just happened by chance. And then from there, it's just sort of grown. And again, a lot of people think I'm a fucking idiot. And look, who is this bloke? You can't take him seriously. But um, you know, I believe in the philosophy that more and more people talk about you the better, regardless if it's good or bad. Yeah. How old are you, Jacko? 25, mate. Yeah, I'll take my hat off to you, mate. You're uh, half my age and um, you, you certainly got great energy about you. You've certainly got great foresight and um, some, some big plans ahead of you. And I've enjoyed getting to know you a little bit better just on, on this podcast. Obviously, you know, as I said, we've, we've, you, you, one of your clients bought through me and we've had, you know, some, 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 some limited dealings, but I've really enjoyed getting to know you. As we start to wrap up, um, I ask all my guests four questions. Um, one of them is, what's one of the better decisions you've made either in life or, or in business? Yeah, um, mate, something I'm pretty vocal about and have been this year, especially through socials, is, is giving up the piss. Like that was probably one of the biggest things that, and the biggest advantages I've had um, this year is that, you know, instead of operating at, you know, 80% and then 60% and then 30% and then yeah. 80% and, 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 you know, having that staggered approach because of the ups and downs you get from drinking alcohol and partying, as most people do as a young person, yeah. um, you know, not boozing this year is um it's just you know i've just worked at you know 80 i'd say 80 of my of my capacity the whole year sure, some days are better than others yeah. but you know i may not be the most intelligent i may not have the best connections i may not know the best people but if you're consistently working day in day out and you don't have good days and bad days mm. um my momentum just builds and i uh, it's definitely helped me without a doubt good so you think it, it helps you not just with work but in all aspects of, of your life because you're just not having that that sort of, I mean, I know it's typical to say hangover, but but it's really lack of energy, lack of clarity, lack of focus, lack of drive. You make poor decisions, you spend stupid yeah. money, you know. Yeah. I, I know as soon as I got on the piss, all the bad decisions made, you know, there wasn't yeah. too much good that come from it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, mate, it just helped in every aspect of my life. My relationship with my girlfriend is so much better. Right. Um, my relationship with myself is so much better. Mm. Um, and I'm mate. I'm the fittest I've ever I've ever been. You know, I couldn't run two k's at the start of the year, and you know, now I'm about to do my second marathon next week, which is good. Um, it's just awesome. But yeah, there's not many 25 year olds that would have the courage to actually give up alcohol, given the peer group pressure at your age group. So good for you. I take my hat off to you. Um, second question: What's one of the worst decisions you've made, either in business or in life? Um. Mate, that's a very good question. Um, you know, look, I've, I've said some stuff I probably shouldn't have said. Right. I've, I've, you know, I don't know, spent some money on shit that I shouldn't have spent money on. Look, yeah. I, don't look I don't look at my life with regret in anything I've done. You know, sure. I've, I've had girlfriends in the past that I shouldn't have done things that I did either. Like, yeah. I, it's all life building. It's all learning, right? So um, th- there isn't one thing that I go, fuck, I shouldn't have done that. Yeah, because um, they're just you outcomes, know, I, right, which lead to the next outcome. But at the time, they might have seemed like a bad decision. But again, it's just without a doubt. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you know. And it's so easy to get caught up in, especially in real estate. You make a wrong decision with a client or something like that, yeah. and you beat yourself up. But you know, as long as you don't do it again and you learn from it, then it's yeah. life. No one knows everything when they get started. Yeah, exactly, um, mate. The third one is just a, a, a piece of advice or a quote 
that you either read or heard or someone even might have told you directly that helped you in life? Um, mate, Chris Gray, I'm not sure if you know who he is, but he yeah, was my mentor with property. Well. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, still a very, very close friend. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it wasn't a specific bit of information that he, that he said or a specific one-liner, but um, real estate's an industry, especially in the Eastern South, I'm not sure if it's like this anywhere else, but it's very easy to get caught up in the flashiness of life. You know, the watches, yeah. the suits, the fucking holidays yeah. and all the rest of it. And, um, you know, it's a lumpy place, right? Some years you'll make lots of money. Next year's the market might not be as good and you're living on baked beans and, and two-minute noodles. Um, one thing that is, is, is I'm extremely grateful for is I've, I've always put my money, I, I have a nice car and I live in a nice apartment, but I've always put the majority of my money that I make into investments, whether it's myself or whether it's property. And um, that's allowed me flexibility and not, not, the, not to worry, you know, like I've got, I think, just over 16 million in property now. Um, and that's grown substantially over the last 12 months with buying two offices and stuff like that. But, you know, if, if that grows at 10% a year, give or take, 7 to 10% a year for the next 30 years, mate, I never have to worry about money for the rest of my life. And, and yeah. you know, that's just because I've been strict for the last seven or eight years to, 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 to just put my money into that. And real estate agents are people who are very lucky, like we said, who make a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that just that slight bit of discipline and not, you know, falling into the peer pressure of, going and spending 50 grand on a watch or a hundred grand on a holiday and actually using that money for yourself. Because mate, at the end of the day, when, you, when you're laying in the grave or, or you're an old bloke and, and all the glitz and glam's gone, like you're the only one that's left with that shit. So mm. I think just using your money, mate, strategically, like money's a thing that I think is, is one of the biggest things that plays with your mindset. When you're desperate for money, you make silly decisions and, and you get desperate for business and all the rest of it. Where if you're a you know, at a really good place financially, it's much mm. easier to make much more fluid decisions. Um, and that yeah. was that was a massive thing because of Chris Gray. So, mate, that would be um, that would be one of the big things is, is be smart with your money for sure. Fantastic. And the last thing, mate, no topic off limit. You can get to ask me anything you like. Um, mate, what got you into social? Because that's the only reason I knew who you were, right? It's social media. <laughs> What, yeah. what got you into um, into social? Because obviously you've had an exceptional career. You've done, you know, extremely well. Like I'm, I'm sure you didn't need to fucking start doing videos on Facebook and Instagram and all the rest of it. Yeah. Mate, it's a really good question. It, it's, it, it's a metaphor for why did I first start a database? Um, and, you know, when I first got into real estate, Jacko, um, you know, I was, you know, 17 and I did property management then was in commercial and then residential pretty quickly and there was no CRMs back then but there was one which I sort of had to had to find and and purchase overseas and it's called ACT you know by a company called Semantic it's still around and it's still the CRM that I actually use today uh, throughout my team and what I did was recognize that Every person I speak to or meet that owns a piece of real estate, I'm just going to put them in this database. I have zero idea what I'm going to do about it, but I'm just going to put them in there. And after about a year or two, it went from a few hundred to a few thousand. And and then suddenly technology started to evolve where you could do email blasts, you could do a mail merge where you could print a letter out, um you could do sms's and stuff like and then i was like wow this is what scale and leverage is all about thank god that from day one i actually started identifying that people that own property was an important part of my business but not really knowing what to do with it so when social came out 
Um, I was certainly one of the early adopters, Jacko, to be honest. Um, and, you know, I was working in McGrath those days and McGrath, you know, have certain um, boundaries or restrictions, if you like. So I was, I was definitely the outlier there and there was a lot of, a lot of talk around the boardroom about, oh, Adrian Bowes posting this and that and the other. Um, nothing nefarious, nothing um, um, controversial. It was just it was early days, you know, you're talking, you're talking sort of, you know, around that sort of late 90s, early 2000s. Um, and to be honest, I didn't actually know why, but I knew I had to build a following. And now I look at it, you know, a decade or, or, or two decades later, and what it allowed me to do when I made the transition from real estate into coaching, um, even though I'm still involved in real estate, as you know, is I had an instant momentum because I had an instant audience. So, mm. you, know, you, you know, after, you know, uh, reigniting my coaching business, you know, only 18 months ago, you know, I'm working with over 100 brands, over 300 offices and over 600 agents. And frankly, I don't think I would have been able to achieve that unless I had that instant audience that was just uh, a, a, a phone post or a social media post away from building some some attraction and momentum on. So yeah, that was that was it was a bit by default and a bit serendipitous to be honest with you. Gold. Well it's definitely working, mate, that's for sure. Yeah, thanks, mate. Appreciate it. Um, thanks listeners for tuning in. Jack, I really appreciate you paying it forward and, and contributing to the Adrian Bow podcast. I've really enjoyed our conversation. Uh, if anyone wants to reach out to you, mate, what's what's the best way? Um, mate, all the socials at Jack C. Henderson. I think I am on Instagram and stuff like that. So Fantastic. You, awesome, you'll see mate. me, mate. Big pink bird. Yeah, the bird. <laughs> mate, keep up the great work. I love your energy. Love your enthusiasm. I love your vision. And, um, mate, you know, I hope that your business and your life continues to evolve. And um, the, the, the best of luck to you, buddy. Thanks so much, mate. I appreciate it. Pleasure. Take care. See you, mate. Bye.